One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Happy Mama Movement podcast. I'm Amy Taylor Cabaz. I would like to start by acknowledging the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation on which this podcast is recorded as the traditional custodians of this land and pay my respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. And as this podcast is dedicated to the wisdom and knowledge of motherhood, I would like to acknowledge the mothers of this land, the Elders, their wisdom, their knowing and my own elders and teachers. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to a special new type of podcast that the team and I are going to bring to you every couple of weeks. We're calling it Mama Q. And if you jump on my website, you will see a little pop-up video from me saying, please send us your questions. Because what I really want this podcast to be is not only a place where we have amazing guests and conversations and stories around matrescence and motherhood, but also a place where you feel like you're heard. You don't just listen, but you also share. And so I had this idea over Christmas of what if we could get questions sent to us by you and myself and one of the amazing coaching trainers in the Mummerizing Training joins me and we listen to your question, talk about it, answer it, share our own stories, reflect on what we think about it. And so here we are for our very first one. And... To join me for the very first one is our, one of our phenomenal coaches and trainers in Mama Rising, an amazing coach herself, Elise Clement. Hello and welcome. Thank you for doing this with me. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. It's really amazing. Really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. It's such a great opportunity for you and I and our other coaching trainers that are going to join me in the other ones to not only, I guess, share our insights and our stories into these questions, but also introduce the team that is behind the scenes often in Mama Rising to all of our listeners. Because what I really want everybody to know is, of course, this is not just me. This now is a phenomenal community of coaches, of trainers. I couldn't I literally couldn't do this without you in particular because you, behind the scenes, run most of my business. So I'm really thrilled that you get to come out from behind the scenes to the front with me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. So let's start. Our first ever Mama Q is from a mama called Stacy, and this is her question. Hi, Amy. It's Stacy. Um, what I would like to know is how do I lean into my intuition as a woman, um, as a mother? Uh, I feel like I am often torn between what people around me are telling me versus what I intuitively 
know and um, what I intuitively think my children need, uh, I guess, versus what society is telling me. Um, yeah, I would love um, your perspective on that. Mm, such a good one for us to start. Uh, the very first thing I thought of when I first heard this question was, I think one of the first struggles I had when I became a mother was this idea around intuition, this idea of the mother instinct, the uh, this sense of we know, we should know what our kid needs and we should know it intuitively. And uh, I specifically remember feeling very, very inadequate, very, very um, like I was failing right from the beginning because I didn't feel like I did have intuition around this at the beginning. And it's something we hear so much from the women and the mothers we work with, isn't it, Elise, that this idea that we are meant to know, first of all. Mm. Yeah, it's um, definitely something that I hear a lot um, from the, the mothers and the women I work with, but I clearly remember at the very, very beginning, and it, and it started even before I had a, a child in my, you know, the, the conception stages for me, but of feeling that there was always someone who knew better than me. So it wasn't even a matter of, you know, reconnecting to my intuition as such, but feeling like there was someone out there who knew more than I did about me and about my baby. <laughs> and I very clearly remember um, my daughter in the first few months of her life, who, um, you know, I was, I was trying desperately to understand the skip patterns and trying to make sense of like, when, uh, how, she sh maybe should she be sleeping at a certain time or, and asking the question. And I remember maybe it was a nurse, a, you know, a pediatric nurse or someone. And, um, she responded she, she said to me oh you know there is no right answer to that you need to feel your way into this you need to get to know your baby and I felt so frustrated I was like but I don't know I don't feel anything around this <laughs> so I think yeah for me it's it's the different layers the the fact that we have this um you know um belief that someone else knows better than us and also um not at first when we think about our intuition also feeling like we don't really have it in us like it's where where is it I don't know I've never really been told how to access it That's so it. yeah that was my my experience of it yes and I think so often we do have this idea that because we're born female um that we should intuitively know how to do this what our baby needs how to read those cues all of those things that you have to learn and you know, when I reflect on that myself, I think, well, yes, back in the day, there would have been a, a sense of knowing what to do because we lived in a village. We probably helped raise our siblings or our cousins or our neighbours' kids. And we saw mothering and around us all day, every day. It was very much part of our lived experience. But when I became a mum, I was the first out of my very close group of friends to be a mother. First one, my sister is younger than me, so I was the first one in my family. In fact, I think I was almost the first one in our extended family. Out of all my cousins, I was the first one to have a baby. 
And I hadn't been around babies that much. I didn't know what it was meant to look like or sound like. I distinctly remember going home from the hospital with this new baby and we put her, you know, on the floor and looked at each other and was like, what do we do now? And so this idea that we should intuitively know it comes from this very old idea of um, as a woman we should know, but our culture doesn't, we don't live like that anymore. Mm, exactly. And we don't live like that anymore, meaning that we also don't value intuition perhaps as much as we used to. Or Very even, true. It, it was not even a matter of, of valuing it at the time. It was just something that we had. Like we were, we were living with that, with that knowing within us and behaving and acting from that part of us. We now live in a culture which is very much based on logic and reason. And I think intuition as a result has gone, you know, to, has been relegated to the corner of like, this mm -hmm. is just not based on science and facts and this, this not not exists. This is not a, a great way to make decisions or to live our lives. Um, but I think again, um, you know, understanding that, there are different ways of knowing. It's not that we need to, again, say that reason and logic have no place, but they can live side by side. Reason, logic, intuition. It's just a way of like nurturing all these ways of knowing within us, um, which we may have been disconnected from for a long time because of the culture that we live in. Yeah. That's so true that really we can still have a place of listening to experts and going to different people mm. and researching and all of the things that we need because that is the benefit of living in the society we now live in. But it has to balance with an inner check-in and an outer check-in. It's kind of like what we talk about in Mama mm. Rising all the time, isn't it? That inner and outer. It's like, so what's your experience of having finally, because I know you trust yourself in this way very deeply mm. now, so how have you personally explored this intuition and been able to trust it? So for me, it was um, understanding that where my intuition lived. And for me, it's very, very much in the body, right? And I think for everyone, it lives in the body. Um, it, it just I, I just remembered there's this guy, I forgot his name, sorry. Um, it, he's a, a psychologist and he talks about um, intuition being the intelligence of the, the unconscious. Mm. And it's just, you know, it's it, it may be manifesting in different ways for each other. So um, could be a gut feeling. Actually, he talks a lot about gut feelings and how often we feel it in our gut when something is right for us or something is not right for us. Um, for me, it's almost the heart, <laughs> like a knowing in the heart, the heart warms up. If there's something that feels like, you know, calling me, could be goosebumps, could be, um, you know, many different ways. So it's learning how to reconnect to our body in this way that we can access this intelligence of the unconscious, as he calls it. Um, and for me, that's been the journey. So um, very early on, it was um, doing yoga. I practiced yoga very, very often and developed a, a very um, deep practice um, that helped me to really feel my body, to really feel into my body. Um, breath work has been also a great practice for me to reconnect to my um, body in that way. Um, dance 
and something that I used to love when I was a child, <laughs> but that I had, you know, not been practicing for a long time has really helped me again, access my body. Um, any really uh, exercise that helps us to feed into other, um, other parts of us that may not be so developed, um, other ways of knowing yes and Mm. the thing about that is that it's really space for you to hear right and so often because we jump to the books or we jump to the experts or we google at 2am we're not giving ourselves any space to check in with what we might be feeling ourselves and I think all those things you've just listed really when we think about what they're doing they're creating space for you to hear yourself and that's what we don't get in early motherhood in life in modern day is this space to go hang on a second before I outsource myself here before I go to somebody else and ask them let me figure out what I want or I think or I feel about this first yeah it's a space yeah it's a space and um also something I want to say about that that um we may need to we may need to work our way, our way, sorry, into the body um, quite slowly for some of us because, again, with the, you know, um, an awareness of trauma and knowing that trauma lives in the body, for some of us, accessing the body or reconnecting with the body might not be something that's so straightforward. So just being very mindful that um, we may need to also... Um, get the support of a therapist potentially to try and um, navigate anything that may be still held into the body that may prevent us from accessing our um, intuition fully. Yeah, so important Mm -hmm. to say because I know, and I know you feel and have seen this as well, I've worked with so many mums over the years that even when they create that space with a coach, with someone like myself, they try and tap into what's there. They, they, there's nothing they feel like there's nothing there they can't access it yet mm-hmm. and so I love the way you've said that you know for some of us this is a slow reconnecting perhaps for the first time to what we think and what we feel so it is something that needs to be very for some of us very gently supported I think mm-hmm. for me as well over the years of learning to trust myself my opinions, my my feelings about both what my kids need or what I need or what's right next in my life. I think also finally being okay with the idea that I might get it wrong has been a really important <laughs> step. Like when I hear Stacey's question, you know, other people will think one way and you think the other. And I think I didn't trust my intuition because there's, there was this real fear of, well, if I trust this feeling I've got and it's wrong, then, mm. you know, I'll hurt my kids or I'll stuff this up or something bad will happen. And I think this permission to get it wrong has been a really powerful turning point in my life. And yeah. it brings to mind this phenomenal statement by Abraham Hicks who, for those listeners who don't know, is um, a spiritual teacher that um, has been a solid daily practice for me for probably a decade. 
one of the things they say is you never get it done and you never get it wrong. You never get it done in terms of, in sense of you always have another opportunity. It's always, there's another chance to get, to have a go at this. And you can never get it wrong because you'll get another opportunity. And so this real idea that, okay, I'm going to follow my gut here, even though that person that I really respect is saying the opposite. I'm going to follow my gut because I can't get this wrong. I'll have another chance. I'll be able to do this in another way, another time. Does that make sense? I feel like that was a real turning point for me. That is so powerful. And I totally relate to that as well, of that idea that I could, you know, do something that could potentially be the bad choice or the, you know, the choice that undoes everything else that I've tried to build up until now. So it's, it's this sense also of like, um, holding the possibility that there is no right or wrong decision, that you're just making decisions and moving forward and you're learning from them, you're then adjusting and recalibrating and that it is not set in stone, that nothing that you do is ever set in stone. Um, yeah, I, I totally relate to that. And it's been a work in progress to really apply that trust and and find that place of trust within me to think okay i am actually going to make a decision that is not popular here but i am going to do it anyway because i feel this is right for me at the at this point in time right now i may change my mind <laughs> in the future but it's that really um that lightness there's a lightness around what we do somehow i know i know again this is applicable you know, there are certain decisions we need to make that are not as light. So I just want to acknowledge that as well. Um, but keeping in mind that, yes, as you said, there is no wrong decision. There's just a decision we make and then what we make of whatever happens after we've made that decision. It. Because we live in such a binary world, you know, it's right or wrong, it's black That's or right. white, it's polarising, there's... You know, one expert that will tell you to do one thing and there's another one who says the complete opposite. And there's this real sense of picking a side, you know, picking a team, identifying yourself in one way or another, isn't there? And I think, again, with this divine opportunity of matrescence, this divine opportunity of motherhood that we are here to discuss and, and are all experiencing this is one of the beautiful things is that this is an opportunity for you to look around and listen to all the different experts, listen to your mother-in-law's insights and listen to your mother's insights and your sisters and your neighbours and everyone who's got an opinion because everyone does. And then find a space, find a way to check in and say, you know what? No, I'm going to give it a try my way and see what happens. I think that's actually one of the beautiful things we get to do in this time of matrescence. Yeah, and that's a strength, right? Mm -hmm. That's also recognizing that this is our power. Mm -hmm. This is where we can reclaim some of our power by owning our choices, by um, um, yeah, wanting to be, you know, in wanting to hear about others' opinion potentially or not. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we may not want to actually uh, be overwhelmed by whatever everyone else think, thinks. I think there is also. Um, there is value in sometimes 
um, shutting down the noise around us. Mm. That's another choice we may make mm. of actually not welcoming advice at certain times in our life and saying very clearly, this is not something that I know what I want to do and I don't need your, your advice. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's a that's um, a good point. Can we talk about that for a second? Because that's yeah, also what we hear sure. a lot, isn't it, with the women that we work with is um, this yeah. this confidence to to stand clear and say, no, actually, you know, I don't need to hear your advice or this is what I've decided and it's not up for discussion. Um, how have you found That's that right. for yourself? Well, the first thing that comes to mind um, right now is pregnancy. Oh, dear. All the things I heard during my pregnancy and people questioning the choice I had made of how I was going to give birth and where I was going to give birth. And <clears throat> at the time, there was something within me that was quite frustrated but I didn't have yet confidence in my own voice to say I don't want to hear what you have to say about this by the way so I was just you know listening and going oh inside <laughs> becoming really frustrated and annoyed and then venting at my husband and saying oh I can't believe they said this and did it um again I in hindsight um now with the confidence I've built in in saying things and and being very clear about what I welcome and what I don't, I think I would be very clear saying, no, I'm just like, this is not something I'm ready to talk about right now. I, I prefer not to because I've made a decision and this is what I, how I want to roll. Um, but it's, it's also being aware of the impact it has on us when we hear others' opinions. Sometimes we may actually want to and we welcome it and we want to brainstorm and sometimes we may not want to and we just check in with our body again do we feel like, you know, we're a bit contracted when someone's talking to us? Um, that that can be a sign. For me, that's definitely one. Mm. Yeah. Yes. As you were speaking, I was thinking of my second birth, my first birth. I had no voice, no, no authority, no um, sense of empowerment at all through the whole process. And so when I went into my second birth, um, I very much wanted to have a different experience mm. and um, I thought at the time it was unfortunate but actually it was a wonderful blessing but unfortunately I thought at the time um, Greta my middle child was breech and so the the um, experts around me very quickly said well you have to have a cesarean you can't have a natural birth and it was probably on reflection now the very first time, so Scarlett was two when Greta was born. So it took that two years for me to find my voice. And it was the first time that I said back, no, no, I want to give this a try. Mm -hmm. And I preface this by saying I was in the right hospital with a breach expert who allowed me to give it a try. I know a lot of our listeners who have breech babies don't get that choice. So I say very clearly, I was very blessed to be in the right place at the right time. But it was that first moment, Elise, where I said to the experts around me, no. And I didn't say, no, I won't have a cesarean. I said, no, give me a chance to try this. And if it doesn't work, you can cut my arms off if you need to, to get this baby out. I don't care. But please just let me have a go. And I'm thinking now, as I'm saying that story with you, that's how I've built my intuition, I think. That's how I've learned to trust myself is, look, if I'm wrong in the end, cut my arms off. I don't care. Like, do whatever you have to. But mm. I have this feeling that I want to give it a try. Mm. I have this feeling that 
I think it's meant to be better than it was the first time around. I think maybe I could, mm. I want to prove to myself something here. And so I think that's, that's a really beautiful thing for us to acknowledge is that, you know, in the end, if we don't get it right or we, you know, have misaligned ourselves in any way, of course we're going to do what we need to do for our kids to be okay, for mm. everything to be okay. But hey, there's this feeling inside of me that says, mm, no, I think I want to try it this way first. And that's sometimes the whispers of our intuition. Yes, beautiful. Well, um, thanks for sharing that story. And I'm thinking what I heard also in what you said is that you had the support. So you felt you were supported, right? You made that decision knowing that um, you were very clear about the things that you were going to do potentially that wasn't working etc and then you had a team around you or there was you know a bridge expert and maybe other people around you and that made me think also that building trust in ourselves or learning how to lean into that voice within or you know becoming more familiar with our intuition also um, requires us to have some people who are on our side who are going to encourage us to listen to that voice within yeah. And it may be our partners, it may be our best friend, it may be maybe a coach or a therapist, or but there is at least one person on our side so who is going to encourage us and support us in listening to that and going with it. And then the last thing I wanted to say was, because I had, you know, Jane Howick's calling the voice in my head going, evidence, then you gather evidence, you gather evidence. <laughs> and the more you you know you use your intuition in this way the more you gather evidence that actually yes this is working for you yeah. then next time you'll be more uh, willing potentially to to listen to your intuition again yeah, yeah. beautiful point and we and we do that with our clients don't we with memorizing we we really encourage them to find evidence of times you were strong and trusted yourself times that you almost prove to yourself who you really are underneath all of these worries or fears of what people will say or what whether I get it right or wrong. Um, and I think the more you have that evidence, the more you can stand up and say, no, actually, this is what I want. But you do need somebody there who has got your back. You really do. And sometimes you have to outsource that and pay for it, a coach, a therapist or whatever, if you don't have someone in your immediate circle. But um, as women, we're so trained from very, very early on to self-silence, to not rock the boat, not speak up, not be difficult, just nod and agree. And these beautiful opportunities in motherhood to find our voice and sometimes very wobbly at first say, oh, I think. I think maybe I want to try it my way, um, is is the making of us, isn't it? Oh, definitely, mm. for sure. Reclaiming our power. I think I said it before, but for me that's yeah. it's totally that. And it's such a I mean, again, I don't want to make um, you know, um, binary polarities here, but it's such a feminine way as well, right? Intuition. It is where our creative power comes from too. And it is a beautiful way to acknowledge and honour the feminine within us is to try to listen to that intuition more and to um, 
honor it for the power that it has and the strength that it gives us. We talk a lot about strength and memorizing and, and getting to know our strength and maybe sometimes having to redefine them <laughs> often. Well, that is one thing. Can we claim intuition as our definite, beautiful, powerful strength? And acknowledging that some of us may never have heard the intuition within us before now. And um, that is both exciting and terrifying, but it is, it is what this time in our life is about. It's about finding out what's important to us, who we want to be, what um, our values are, what we want for our children, for our family, for our lives. And it's scary about sometimes speaking up, especially if you're going against your family's way of doing things, especially if you're breaking the mold doing things that people question like what you're quitting your career to go and study to be a life coach Amy like all of these things where it's tiny steps at first and then watch out you end up turning your life upside down because you're finally listening to yourself so yeah yes so hold on to that hold on to those little voices inside of you those feelings like you said Elisa in your heart, in your belly, the goosebumps, the determination, the thing that you can't stop thinking about. Hold on to those because that's, right. that's what's calling you. Yeah, that's what this is here for. Amazing. Beautiful. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for doing this first one with me. Thank you. Yay. Thank you. That was a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah. And thank you, Stacy. Very, very, very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Stacey. So please jump on to the podcast page on my website, amytaylorkabaz.com forward slash podcast and send us a question. You can do it anonymously if you want or just with a first name, video or without video and the team and I will jump on and talk about it. We want to really know what you want us to talk about. That's what we're here for. So thank you very much. Until next time, Satnam. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.